0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbas of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review.
1: Three Martini's coming up. It is Friday. We are so glad you're here on the Three Martini Lunch. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review, co-founder of Ricochet, co-host of the GLOP podcast, is in for Jim Garrity yet again. Rob, it's great to have you. It's great to be here. Jim has actually gone on vacation. I know you like to make fun of that. (laughs) Again, again, it's
0: constant. He takes more vacations than uh, the current mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, frankly, to be quite honest with you. A guy who also uh, seems to be on vacation a lot. He
1: does. And we've got good, bad, and crazy martinis today. But since you're in New York, we were just talking before we started about how in a very divided time in this country, (laughs) Bill de Blasio has uh, done what few can and, and, and bring everyone together. Unfortunately for him, it's everybody doesn't like him. Uh, well, that's, that's fine for us. I mean, yes. he is the great uni- uh, great uniter in, in
0: New York City. I have to say that the one thing that people – I think even shop owners and looters both can agree that Bill de Blasio is the worst. And if you can bring – you can make that happen, uh, you're quite something special. But here's the question. He's up next year. Is there actually a chance he'd lose? Well, New York is nuts, of course. So I, 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 I suspect there isn't really a chance that he, he'd lose. Um, I cannot imagine, but mostly because New York itself as a place uh, tends to be a machine state, a machine city, and it's very, very difficult to sort of like you have to, you basically really have to grease a lot of wheels to get where you get. You have to be giving out patronage kind of gifts to get where you get. And it's hard to start that now. You know, it's hard to take people out to a $300 steak dinner if the steak houses are closed, put it that way.
1: All right. Well, let's get to our good news. So we like to have good <laughs> news whenever we can get it. Uh, it's been pretty scarce here the last three months. We did have an all good martini episode earlier in the week, but we at least have one good martini today. And uh, Rob, the Veep stakes are heating up. Obviously, yes. we've got the Democratic Convention in whatever form it's going to take, mostly virtual, I think, coming up now in less than two months. So Joe Biden's going to have to make a decision soon. He said way back in March that it's definitely going to be a woman. And given that Amy Klobuchar did better than expected in some of the early primaries, particularly New Hampshire, and she was enthusiastically on board the Biden campaign once everybody had to get out so he could take out Bernie in early March. (laughs) uh, She was a good little soldier, right? So she was on the shortlist for Biden's VP. It was uh, publicly known that she was being deeply vetted for this. And so Amy Klobuchar goes on The Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell, which I should point out is not actually the last word on MSNBC anymore. No, there's another there live is. show after that. And Lawrence O'Donnell, uh, disingenuously, I would say, uh, acts like he's bringing her on to make her case to be the VP. And then he's shocked, shocked that she's actually <laughs> deciding not to throw her hat in the ring anymore. And so he says, why should you be the choice? And she says this. What case would you make uh, at this point in the campaign for the senior senator from Minnesota as the vice presidential candidate. You know, Lawrence, uh, I have never, as you probably know on many, many shows um, since I endorsed uh, the vice president on that joyful night in Dallas, I've never commented on this process at all. Um, But let me tell you this after uh, what I've seen in my state, what I've seen across the country. uh, This is a historic moment and America must seize on this moment. And I truly believe, uh, as I actually told the vice president last night uh, when I called him, uh, that I think this is a moment uh, to put a woman of color on that ticket. So beyond the theatrics of uh, Lawrence O'Donnell in this situation, uh, Rob, you've got uh, Amy Klobuchar probably realizing that what happened in Minnesota means that she wouldn't be the pick anyway. And so now she says it ought to be a woman of color. She's the one who's you know, graciously bowing out, and now that even Elizabeth right. Warren agrees, she's not a woman of color either. I assume well, this kneecapped Elizabeth Warren too, right?
0: Well, that's what was the beauty. The beautiful part about it was that it kneecapped Elizabeth Warren. I mean, this is Amy Klobuchar doing. I mean, this is like she's smart. She she she's a smart politician. She's you know she's canny. She knows how to get things done, and she knows how to say, "You can't fire me. I quit." before she gets rejected nobody wants to get rejected so she took her name out and she i think she did that thing you know when you're driving by somebody and you open your car door and you slam them with a car door kind of a (laughs) drive-by with uh, elizabeth warren what she what she does not i think anticipate is that probably in the next 24 hours elizabeth warren will reveal that she is african-american as well (laughs) something Elizabeth Warren is very good at (laughs) i don't think it's very smart idea but i mean look seriously as a as a matter of politics it's showing i think a a political class in the democratic party that believes that november is going to be a win and even believes i think if you're amy klobuchar that the senate is going to be a win or close to it or it's worth uh, hoping for or worth working for so being a democratic senator uh in um you know january 2021 seems like a good she's not given anything big up if she stays in the senate and being vice president isn't something that she necessarily needs at this point. So I feel like you, you can see the Democrats starting to believe that November is a win for them and making plans accordingly. And I think that's what she's doing.
1: Well, obviously the unrest in in Minneapolis uh, went against her, yeah. the, the the controversy over whether she had the opportunity to prosecute the very same officer back when she was the the DA, back before she became a senator, it was during her Senate campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, that probably would have made it unlikely that she would have been the choice anyway. And uh, the icing on top of the cake here, Rob, is that her husband had COVID and uh, by all accounts was helped by hydroxychloroquine and we can't have that on the Democratic side. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: she should rise a Republican. She'd be <laughs> Trump's running mate at this point. No, I, <laughs> that, that is, I think that's all true. I just suspect that in the in the, in the the grand scheme of things in the future going forward, you know, it's still, what is it, the middle of June. Um, lots of things can happen. Not being on a winning ticket or not being on a ticket with Joe Biden doesn't seem, I think, if you're Amy Klobuchar, like a big thing, to, to like, like something you, you really want to fight against. Like I think for her it felt like she's got a big future anyway, so uh, this is not a fight to the death, uh, Although, I, w- whereas I think for some people it is a fight to the death. For Kamala Harris, I think it really is a fight to the death.
1: Well, that she is definitely in the uh, in the running here, but uh, you know, it it requires a certain skill set to be Joe Biden's running mate because you know, with with Mike Pence in twenty sixteen and a lot of different people around President Trump over the past few years, uh, sometimes he'll he'll blurt stuff out, and you gotta come in and say. Well, what he really meant here was this. And guess what? With Joe Biden and and what we've seen from his public performances, there's going to be a lot of that, too. So, uh, we'll.
0: yeah, I guess the difference is you never you're never in the position when you're with Joe Biden of saying anything other than I think grandpa needs a nap. Whereas I think with Trump, you have to say, well, I don't think he knew that was a white power symbol, or I don't think he knew that the president of uh, China was really talking about concentration camps. So it, with, with, with Trump, it's just an order larger, a little more intense of the, of the, of the dancing and the weasel wording you have to do.
1: You mentioned uh, Kamala Harris really wanting this job, and uh, another name that has risen, and, and now that we're talking more specifically about women of color, as they as they phrase it, for Biden's running mate, Biden has not said that he's, he's necessarily doing that, but uh, given the circumstances, who would be shocked if he did? Uh, apparently, it's not good enough to be black. You have to be the right kind of black. Have you ever heard this before, Rob, You know, with conservatives, Clarence Thomas or Herman Cain? or oh, of course. T- Tim Scott, of course, are you really black? You say that and and folks on the left will go, oh, come on, nobody actually believes that. That's just that's just harsh. Well, Val Demings is a congresswoman from Florida. Her stock has been rising for a while now. She was one of the impeachment managers. She used to be the uh, police chief in Orlando, Florida. But now some folks related to Black Lives Matter say no to Val Demings strongly. This is from The Hill. Some Black Lives Matter and other progressive activists are taking aim at Deming's tenure as Orlando's first female police chief, which spanned 2007 to 2011, and they're questioning whether someone who spent a decades-long career in law enforcement is right for this moment. Quote, while she was chief of police, I felt like public policies and changes to address community policing should have been done. It was not, said Lawana Gelzer, president of the National Action Network's Central Florida chapter. That means she's connected to Sharpton. We've had a problem here for years. I will go vote, but I will not vote for her if she's on that ticket. Biden needs to listen to the people of Orlando and of Florida and elsewhere and not law enforcement at this time. Another Black Lives Matter activist named Hawk Newsom says this about Demings. She's a cop. She was a top cop at an extremely brutal police department. She was a vocal supporter of brutal actions by police. We are working to abolish police. We are working to defund police," Hawk said in a phone interview. And here's the clincher: When you are a police officer, you are not black anymore. You are blue. Well, wow. Rob, uh, first of all, this has shades of the French Revolution, and yeah. uh, but also, you know, Joe Biden, before all this started, said, you know, if you're not supporting him, you ain't black. So who knows what's going because on? Nobody's <laughs>
0: black. <Yeah. laughs>
1: right.
0: That, that happened pretty fast, yeah. Uh, uh, look, I understand what Luana Gelzer said, uh, who, you know, let's be honest. She is the president of the National Action Network Central Florida chapter. So, um, you know, this is not somebody with a great deal of political juice. But I understand her problem, right? If I will go vote, but I will not vote for her if she's on that ticket, she said, about the Biden-Demings ticket. Well, I got news for her. Yes, she will. She totally <laughs> yeah. will. She will happily and she will by by and by August, by by middle of August, she'll be painting signs, And there, there, there is no uh, w- world in which she isn't going to vote for the Democratic nominee and his running mate, whoever that running mate is, as long as that running mate isn't <laughs> Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> not, not really. But they, just all of this talk is just so ridiculously silly. And if you're in Biden Central, you may you may believe it. It may rattle you. But what you should be saying is this is simply not true. They will vote for Biden Demings if it turns out to be Biden Demings, which I don't think it will. But if it does, they will absolutely vote for Biden Demings. And that and and what the the uh, president of the National Action Network Central Florida chapter has to say about it is precisely zero. Uh, it is though does just show that there is that there is open season now on declaring who and who is in and who is not in in any particular movement. I mean. You know, for the past four years, we've had people saying you're not really a conservative, you're a cuck. We've had people saying, well, you're not really a conservative, you're a Trumpist. We've had people saying you're not really a liberal, you're a uh, you're a you're a Clintonite. We've had all sorts of people trying to read in and out of people of movements, and this is just the last, most most recent, most tragic one. But if you're just making a political consideration here, I would be bet the house that Luana Gelzer is not only going to vote for Biden demings if it turns out to be Biden demings she's going to have a yard sign, and I think Democrats
1: know that. I think that's right too. But you said uh, when we were talking about Klobuchar a moment ago that Kamala Harris really, really wants this. This There's a, there's a lot at stake <laughs> yeah. for her, but Kamala Harris has the same problem, right? Uh, at least with the people that we've been quoting here, Lawana Gelzer and this Hawk Newsome and other folks who want absolute purity on this particular issue. Kamala Harris put a lot of people away as a DA, uh, especially, and, and I guess to some extent as an AG as well. And that hurt her a lot during the campaign. Tulsi Gabbard pretty much took her out By talking about how she prosecuted people for smoking weed and so forth. And so does this same problem that Val Demings has with the far left hit Kamala Harris too? Well, I mean, Kamala Harris is sort of more of an exotic
0: creature. I mean, um, but but I think Kamala Harris, the interesting thing about Kamala Harris is that she's the little girl on the bus that that was going to school that Joe Biden, her running, her purported running mate was uh, cheering. So in a strange way, or, or, or again, so in a strange way that it is a unity ticket for the Democrats. If it's a, a Biden Harris, her problem is, isn't going to be that. I don't think so much. Uh, I think her problem is going to be that uh, she doesn't bring anything to a ticket. And, and it's a huge roll of the dice to see if you can get uh, suburban whites back. So a law and order voice on the top of the ticket for the Democrats is not necessarily a bad move. Um, in that respect, I think that she probably doesn't do much to hurt him with them, although there's going to be a lot of noise. There'll be a lot of noise all the way up to, to August, and that noise will suddenly stop. Uh, everybody wants to win on that side, so I have a feeling that um, winning is going to be, the price of winning for Biden is going to be very high. He's going to have to promise a whole bunch of stuff, but that's sort of what Democrats do to win anyway. You know, They sort of promise things to their angry constituents. I mean, we have seen in our life, in my lifetime, I'm more than you, have seen Democratic candidates who should not on paper win because they've assembled a coalition of people who despise each other but manage to you know spread around enough uh, goodies to get everybody to be quiet until you know the first
1: Tuesday of November I just assume at some point he's going to pick a running mate named Karen. That seems to be the Democratic <laughs> female of the year, right? Yeah, that, that would be, you know, that would send
0: exactly the right message to America that I'm, uh, I am I, I cherish diversity, but I also um, believe in uh, ineffective and interventionist policing, put it that way.
1: All right, well, let's get to our crazy martini now. And as always, it's plenty crazy. We had a lot to choose from today. Uh, the cancel culture is going wild. We see it with uh, food from Uncle Ben's to now the cream of wheat is apparently, uh, possibly on the way out. Of course, they're going after the Redskins again. There's a statue of George Washington torn down in Portland last night. Uh, we also have uh, the Texas Rangers baseball team is unacceptable now. That has to go. But our winner for Crazy Martini today uh, is a couple days old now, and it's a series of tweets from a guy named Bill Palmer. Now, Bill Palmer has a leftist website called the Palmer Report, and if you go and look at how different folks have characterized this site, uh, for example, McKay Coppins it calls it the publication of record for anti Trump conspiracy nuts who don't care about the credibility of the record. So take it with a grain of salt, of course, that it's coming from this guy, but when you look at how Cancel culture is just rampant against anyone who still holds a conservative perspective in general or on specific issues. I don't think he's speaking only for himself. Plus, he's got a following of about 330,000 people here. But here's the uh, Twitter thread from earlier in the week. I think this was in reaction, Rob, specifically to Mike Gundy, the football coach mm-hmm. at Oklahoma State, wearing an One America News t-shirt when he went fishing. And so here's what it says. the series of tweets here. We shouldn't be cold-hearted about this. But having a conservative as a police officer, for instance, isn't much different from having a KKK member as a police officer. It's just not something that a civilized society can ever, ever tolerate. We should rehabilitate any conservatives who are willing to try. We should pay for them to undergo therapy and retraining so they can understand the world around them. Reeducation camps, what a great idea. But first, we must get them out of positions of influence because they're infringing on the rights of others. Conservatism, he says, means you don't believe in equality. It means you want it all for yourself and you're willing to destroy other groups of people to take it all for yourself. That's not a crime against the law, but it's a crime against humanity and we must acknowledge as much. This is the real fun part. Conservatives cannot be teachers, police officers, doctors, lawyers, coaches, or bosses. It's constitutionally unfair to others who are subjected to the conservatives' deranged judgment. Conservatives can do menial work until they're ready to join the human race. And then he goes on specifically to rail against Mike Gundy, who he says should be fired unless he agrees to get extensive psychological help for wearing a t-shirt. So, Rob, I mean, conservatives have been saying this for years. We're supposed to be tolerant until the right. people demanding tolerance have control. And then, whoop, well, end of the tolerance. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's, a, it's therapy if
0: you want it. He didn't, he's not forcing you into therapy your views but you have to you have to want it um this is exactly what people have all i'm trying to be fair here there are people who believe that this is true uh if you're a, a, an incredible partisan or an incredible ideologue i should say you believe this basically about everything uh the, the other side the difference here is that you know conservatives as my friend john Podors likes to put to say conservatives have to be bilingual because the culture is not conservative. So we, we have to know how to speak that language. We really do know how, have to know how to talk to liberals. I live in New York City, I live in, in, in the West Village of New York City. You know, I, I have to know how to have a conversation with people who believe that you know, some series of crackpot views. The other side doesn't. And so they don't even know that they're not supposed to say this out loud. That's, I think, what's astonishing because, you know, sometimes they'll find some crackpot right winger somewhere in some, you know, very remote part of the the remote part of a remote county in a remote place. And they'll tweet something and we'll use it and say, oh, the left will use it. They see all conservatives like this. But this guy is a mainstream kind of a mainstream Democrat, right? I mean, he has his thing. I don't know. I mean, he seems nuts to me, but uh, he's got a thing called the Palmer Report, and it's uh, he lives in L.A., and he's got 331,000 Twitter followers, a lot of people. So he's got, so I got an audience. It's not like he's some kind of obscure character. And this is some people speaking right from their reptile brain, the part of the brain you're not, you're not supposed to speak from. You're supposed to think about it first. For conservatives, that seems insane to us because we just go through every day knowing we're not supposed to say this stuff, even if we believe it, which I don't think we really do because it, it, it would be impossible. For liberals, they really do believe, look, they've already got the universities and they've already got uh, the media. So what new summits do they have to, to capture? And I mean, this guy, Paul, Paul, whatever his name is, Palmer, I don't know his first name, is simply coming up with the most efficient way to do that, which is to you know, round everybody up and set everybody education. What he doesn't know is that re-education doesn't really work. You learn quickly what you have to say uh, to succeed, and you say it whether you believe it or you don't. Ask any undergraduate at any university. How re-education works, and they will tell you what they do in every political science class they're in. They figure out what the professors' politics are, and they write a paper that uh, supports those policies, and they get an A. That's what they do. We, they, all we do, all we've done, is really create a cynical population, not really an ideological population. Um, and but uh, you know, for, for the Bill, his name's Bill, the Bill Palmers of the world. That's apparently all they want. But luckily for us, uh, I can't imagine a high school or college football coach happily marching in to therapy for ideological retraining. Although I would pay a lot of money to see a bunch of college football coaches in the SEC doing exactly that. That would be a genuinely funny scene.
1: So in the last few weeks here, Rob, and uh, like you said, they're reading the silent part out loud now. We've gone from you can't stay silent because then you're complicit. And you have to speak up, but you can't speak up just in any old way. You have to be part of the correct narrative. And so if you do speak up and you're not part of the correct narrative, uh, you're not allowed to be a boss or a hold any position <laughs> of authority uh, in society. So these people are Trump's best bet for re-election, aren't they?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, that's, that's what you always want. You, always, you, you need to have an insane opponent. Trump's got two levers, right? One is my opponent is incredibly corrupt, which I think at this point, nobody really, you're not really it's not really going to stick to Joe Biden. Uh, and the second thing is that uh, it, th- their policies are insane. And that's kind of where they have to go. Also, that's the opportunity that's presenting itself now in the world. So that's where they have to go. And I, I suspect that the, the brilliance of it is that um, there will be, you know, there will be people in the Democratic Party, which is huge. There will be people in the liberal wing of the of the country, which is huge, who will oblige Trump by saying crazy stuff. Uh, but whether the crucial thing is whether the the slipping in Trump's support, which is sort of older people and suburban people, if those are people who are going to be you're going to be able to frighten so easily. That's what it comes down to, I think, in November, which is sort of unfortunate because <laughs> what, what, November's, what elections are supposed to come down to is, are, are differing policies, but I suspect what's going to be is like, who seems more terrifying and, and emotionally and mentally imbalanced? Uh, and then you vote for the other person. Unfortunately, I think that's the, that is the choice that we're presented with.
1: Ah, uh, nothing but the best for voters yeah. to choose from this year. Yeah, I, I don't, can't remember who said it on Twitter a uh, couple of weeks ago when this whole defund the police, dismantle the police movement came around. But uh, someone on the right said, uh, oh, we as Democrats did very well amongst suburbanites in 2018. I know what we can do about that. And uh, <laughs> Hold my so, beer. <laughs> yes, let's get rid of the police. Yeah. Right. Uh, security moms didn't go, didn't go away. They just uh, focused on other things. So uh, fun to watch. Rob, great start. Uh, You did so well. I think we'll do it all again next week, every day next Uh week. Don't tell people that. They'll learn not to tune in. (laughs) Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. Thanks, you too. Have a good weekend. You too. Rob Long is a contributing editor at National Review Online. He's the co-founder of Ricochet, and he's the co-host of the GLOP podcast. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch. Leave us a kind review with five stars. Also, don't forget you can get us on those government surveillance devices you have in your homes. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And join us Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch.